Hey guys, welcome to episode 23 of Unethical Podcast. Let that girl alone! We don't have a guest host for you this episode, so things might be a little more chill than usual, but today we're going to be discussing the bystander effect and the murder of Kitty Genovese. Welcome to Unethical Podcast. Are you guys familiar with the social phenomenon known as the bystander effect? No. I think I know, but I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. The bystander effect is an inverse relationship between the number of witnesses in an emergency and the likelihood of someone calling for help. So people in a population dense area or in a crowd who see or hear an emergency are less likely to call for help because of something called diffusion of responsibility or the belief that someone in the group either must have already called for help because the group is so large or that anyone in the group could be helping. Why should it be me? Whereas if they had been alone in this situation, it would have been much more likely that they would help or call for help. Yeah. The case that locked the bystander effect into every psychology textbook ever written was the murder of a woman named Kitty Genovese. So Kitty was exactly what you hope being young in New York is like. She is in a very loving relationship with her roommate. Remember, this was the 60s. She had a job as a bartender that she loved. She'd been arrested for taking bets for the horse track. Hell yeah. And she had a dream of opening up an Italian restaurant. She was Italian-American herself. Badass. Yes, she Out gambling is. with her roommate. I like this girl. She's very cool. So Kitty grew up in New York. Uh, her family had actually left when she was around 20 because her mother witnessed a murder. But Kitty remained there because she was actually planning a wedding. She married in 1954, but the marriage was annulled later that year. Maybe because she was a lesbian, maybe not. After she moved out on her own, uh, she really blossomed. Kitty had to live kind of carefully being a lesbian in the 1960s in New York. It definitely had its trials, but she was fortunate enough to meet her, again, roommate, Mary Ann Zilonko in 1963, and no one actually even suspected that the relationship was romantic. Huh. They probably just didn't want it to. They probably knew. They just didn't want it to be true, so they went... You know, they're just friends. Come on, guys. Friends, right? They didn't acknowledge it. Yeah. They kept it very well under wraps. People they were close to obviously knew, but yeah. the, like their neighbors that they didn't know, didn't know. Huh. So on March 13th, 1964, Kitty left work at the Ev's 11th hour bar at 2.30 a.m. and began to drive home. She arrived home at 3.15 a.m. and parked her car about 30 meters from the door to the Key Gardens apartment building where she lived. So she parked her car in an alleyway and was headed to the rear entrance of the building. But unknown to her, she had been spotted by a man next to her while she was stopped at a traffic light, and that man had followed her home. 
So as she walked towards the door, she noticed that this man was coming from essentially near a bus stop and was making a beeline straight for her. And she immediately broke into a run. But the man was unfortunately faster than her and completely unprovoked. They have not even exchanged a word. He stabbed her twice in the back. Neighbors reported hearing a woman screaming, oh my God, he stabbed me. Help me. Okay, what? I'm confused. So they just saw each other on the street and he started chasing after her? No, she, he saw her at a traffic light from his car and yeah. followed her home. Oh, so he was like, gonna like this was his plan. Targeted. Like, oh, okay. Okay. And then he sta- just without saying any word, just stabbed her a bunch. So his plan was to stab her a bunch? Well, uh, we'll see. He has some different explanations for what his actual plan was in this situation. But yes, basically, he followed her home, followed her to the door and just stabbed her outright. She didn't reject him. They didn't even talk. The neighbors had like seen and heard, you know, nothing before this, before he literally just walked up to her and started stabbing her. It's stories like this where I wish I could just shrink me. And make multiples of me and then go throw them into that situation so I could just bust out that, like, uh, teeny tiny aluminum baseball bat. Well, she would grow. She would grow when she got <laughs> to the thing. She would grow when she got to the scene. And then she'd pull out her regular size aluminum bat and do the Harley Quinn thing and then just swing it. Hell no. Stay little, make a thousand of you, and go to town on him like fire ants. Yes. I just, I, I, I'm, I bite when I'm, yeah, I, Hey man, if we could fuck this guy up, let's fuck this guy up. But like, I'm trying to get, like, understand why the fuck we would do that. It doesn't seem, it seems so random. I mean, why does anyone do anything? No, usually it's like sexually motivated or it's like uh, greed motivated or I heard, I heard she was good looking. You go up and stab someone. You didn't, maybe he thought he was going to rape her after he stabbed her anyways keep going i don't know you're right about everything everything that you just said was right oh my god so here we go all right so after she screamed out oh my god he stabbed me help me a man named robert moser who lived at the apartment building kitty corner to where the attack happened he opened up his window and he shouted let that girl alone and from his end the commotion ended because he you know, he startled the man. It was quiet, right? Robert decided he was a hero and he went back to bed. So him yelling had actually scared the man away. And that's why things got quiet. I feel like you should still phone some help. Go to police. <laughs> Fuck. God damn it. There would have been phones and shit. It's not like it was like a long, long time ago. Okay, you guys. Robert is the closest thing to a hero in this story. Okay. Keep your expectations low. Oh my God. So he just let her stab there, like bleeding out. Good. As the man was fleeing or before the man was fleeing, there was a man named Joseph Fink and he held a position at an apartment complex that was directly across from where this was happening. He witnessed the entire thing play out the pursuit, the stabbing and the man fleeing. He saw everything. Okay. Beginning to end. And so he said that he considered intervening, grabbing his baseball bat, going out, but instead he decided that he was going to go to bed. And so he did. So other people in the area that were either up late or had been woken up by the sound watched the figures out of their window and they saw the man jump into a white vehicle and leave the scene. 
Kitty managed to pull herself up and make it back to the entrance of the closest apartment building. So this wasn't her apartment building. This was just the closest one. And she made her way into the rear lobby. She didn't know one resident in this building. Um, so she knew that she could get in that door, but not the inside security door. Okay. So she now is out of view of any witnesses. So at this point, the people who had seen everything assumed she made it inside and they went back to bed. 10 minutes later, 10 minutes of silence followed, and then the car returned. The same man from before got out of the vehicle, lowered the brim of his hat to cover his face, and searched all over the surrounding areas until he found her in the rear lobby. So she wasn't able to get any further because of the security door, like I mentioned, and so the man stabbed her seven more times, raped her, stole her tip money out of her purse, and then left with no witnesses. Well, almost no witnesses. I was going to say, how do we know it's the same guy if there's no witnesses? I guess it's her. A man named Carl Ross, who lived in the building, heard the noises just down from his front door. And so he opened it to see what was happening. So, I mean, it's possible that Carl was just a neighborly guy and he was like, oh, one of my neighbors forgot their key. They're just trying to get in. Maybe he was just nosy. I don't know. Probably not just nosy. I would guess based on what we know about him, which I'll let you in on later. So Kitty couldn't actually scream for help or really make much noise at all when the man found her the second time because her lung had actually been punctured by one of the first two stabs. And so Carl opened the door and he saw the man, he saw the woman, he saw the knife and he saw the blood and he shut the door. Whoa, I'm out of here. What a pansy. Yeah. So Carl then made two phone calls. Same guy who shut the door? Yes. Finally, someone's on the fucking phone. Carl makes two phone calls. First one, he makes a call to a friend of his in Long Island. Second call, also not the police. He calls another neighbor in the building. You have like a weird death pool? Like who has May 22nd for murder today? Because uh, you won <laughs> murder at my doorstep. Some weird. Why else would you do this? Stupid. Why don't you call the cops? Yeah. yeah. He called them for advice on what to do. Oh, cops. stupid. It's, it's 1960. It's not 1922 where they're like, I don't know if the Bobbies can get here on time. We all know it's fucking the 60s. Come on. We'll get into it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so after he gets off the phone with the second neighbor, he climbs out of his window to get over to the neighbor's apartment because he's not going back out the front way, let me tell you. No, that knife. So he heads out the window, goes to the neighbor's part, and there at the neighbor's apartment, he finally calls police. Okay. So naturally, after he'd had two phone calls, the man is long gone. Kitty is still in the lobby. She's still alive, but barely. There were actually some more phone calls going out. None to the police. Someone had phoned a friend of Kitty's and told her that there was a woman being attacked and that it might be Kitty. And that friend, her name was Sophia Farrar, immediately ran out of her apartment building and over to where the person had told her that Kitty was attacked. And she found her in the pool of blood. And Sophia sat with her and held her while she waited for help. The attack occurred over 30 minutes, and there was one phone call made to the police by Carl Ross. 
Oh. We're all like dumbfounded by this one. <laughs> That's fine. Ripe sakes. Yeah, I have. What the fuck? And this is. <laughs> Excuse me. We're laughing over my expression of what the fuck. That's what we're laughing about. <clears throat> yeah. How many witnesses do we know in the total? There were 38 individuals who had useful eyewitness information for police. See, they need many tallies. It's hard though. It's hard to fuck, man. The whole, the group mentality thing is a thing though, right? You see something, sometimes you go like, don't worry, the next guy will get that. That's a big, like, I'm in mining, right? I do. I'm in mining, and safety is a huge thing. And that's a huge aspect of safety is like when you see something, do something about it. Don't just leave it for the next guy. It's something that's hammered in your brain all the time. And there's a reason because people will just leave the fucking something dangerous this for is someone the to reason. walk into. Yeah. My whole life, my whole life, I it was instilled in me by my parents. Like if you can't find help, be help. I think Mr. Rogers said that. Yeah. <laughs> this would have been instilled in your parents too though because this was in the early 1960s exactly i think mr rogers said it and that's you know where they got it obviously to instill back to their children so like i've been in crazy situations I, I, i've never been a person that just stands there you know i gave the heimlich remover you know what it counts you're removing something out of the airway heimlich remover it is but I also watched a kid get hit by a car and died. But obviously, I, I didn't just stand there. You know, I ran over to him, asked who called 911. Someone was on the phone and raised their hand. So there you go. Situations assessed. I have, I have no further use here. You know, like everything was being taken care of that I could see and need to be assessed. So but we live in a small town. So and it's it was 2020 seven or 2017 2027 let's go in the future guys yeah um this is definitely this this influenced a lot of things we're being taught in school things that parents are teaching their children you know be involved i know because i learned about this in college i call the police for everything i have probably fucking a bible's worth of like calls logged into the local police i call about fireworks not because i'm complaining about fireworks but because maybe it's not fireworks i call about somebody standing a little bit too long near a door or a window i call about any domestic dispute i call about everything because i want i would hope that someone would call if it was me yep you never I, know i don't call the cops literally i go running headfirst into the situation I got a kid. If I, I would have been stabbed, I mean, I have been stabbed. <laughs> I actually have been stabbed twice. Same guys, same guy, same situation. Twice. Yes. Arm. Wow. Back. That ain't good. No, it hurt. There was a lot of packing and draining and packing and things like that. I just picture you like Naruto with your head down, just charging at the fucking whatever problem it is. I would do it. <laughs> I would do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I would do it. Stabbing sucks. It's not easy to do. I'm, it's not easy to do and it's not easy to be stabbed. Yeah, no, I bet. But it really depends on where you hit. And he must have just hit her directly in the back lung the first time. Yeah. So that's a debilitating blow right there. It's different when it's the arm and your shoulder blade, which got nicked, but whatever, didn't go through. I don't know. I, I'm thinking on a less grand scale because, like, nobody that those 38 people, none of them were like, 
maybe they were I, i'm just i'm asking this question how yeah. about that were they all like this girl looked like she was gonna die so we kind of like ran away or they were just like somebody else has it like nobody was like this girl's gonna die you don't think that way right like when people were asked about it there was one of two responses one i assumed someone already had called the police yeah two i just didn't want to get involved both are very inexcusable here's some good uh insight into this a little bit i i figured someone else called the police okay it's three o'clock in the morning the actual task of calling the police is either whipping out the yellow pages finding the precinct number or getting connected to the operator and waiting on hold while some nasally sounding woman moves a bunch of wires around it's a tedious process and it's three o'clock in the morning these people were already rudely awakened by a woman who had the audacity to be murdered so yeah this isn't cell phone time yeah did they even have 911 no there was no centralized 911 huh. yeah that makes it a little different too because there's a there's a threshold for me calling the cops i don't call the cops on everything some stuff's not my business but i mean you hear uh kids getting hurt or like something like that i'm calling the cops no for sure you hear a gunshot or fireworks sure but i mean I don't know, someone racing down the street like an asshole. I probably should because my kids walk on that street, you know, like fuck someone going 80 in a 40. Like I probably should. I just don't because it's none of my like, just don't have my fucking kids, you know, but it's hard. I, I can see how people would not want to call, not want to be involved with that. I could see that. I, it's, <laughs> I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying I could see it. I understand it. You know, part of it too is one of the things that like, because I used to live in an area we called it actually I'm not going to tell you what we called it because anyway <laughs> but I used to live in this area and it was it was not a good area and there was this woman directly across the parking lot from me who was constantly inviting dickheads over and just like fucking getting slapped around and shit and so when I first moved in like I was worried for her the first time it happened because she was out in the parking lot screaming let go of me yeah and i was like fuck dude and the cops when i was on the phone with them like they were not nice about it they were like well what do you see and i'm like i don't see anything i just hear her I'm like well why don't like go outside and look i'm like dude i fucking i live alone i have a little kid i'm not gonna go outside i'm not even gonna open my fucking blinds because i don't want them coming here because i witnessed something i shouldn't have no you come fuck off yeah this isn't the ozarks <laughs> <laughs> have you watched one horror movie sir <laughs> like yeah. this is how people die i have kids fuck you yeah but that's what the dispatchers do they tell you to get more information for them they're like well i can't send i can't send someone based on what you're telling me a woman's screaming let me go send someone doesn't yeah. matter i'll tell you what fine yeah i'm looking he's got a knife it's fucking this fucking big yeah just start lying yeah maybe that's a reason why i have no hesitation to like jump in in situations i don't have kids i feel like i have nothing to lose that's true. That might be part of it because there is the the protect yourself because so you can protect your kids aspect of my life, like for sure. Sure. And maybe yes. I just don't have that because I've never experienced it. Before I had kids, I was the kind of person who if a dude was getting like rough with his girlfriend or a strange girl at the bar, I would step in between and be like, buddy, fuck mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. But now, mm -mm, nope, not happen. If he decides to thump my head off the floor, I got a problem because I got to get home yeah and that and that's part of this whole 38 people i think 
scary. I, I man, I didn't know that. I've, I've never heard of this one either. You get me with all sorts of awesome ones, Celeste. Good for you. I try. Okay, so there is actually a little bit more to this. Actually, there's a fair amount more. So oh, good. a lot of people have demonized Carl for hesitating to call the police and for not helping in the first place. As we mentioned in that situation, it's very difficult to offer help because there is obviously an armed man there, right? And our instinct obviously is to run away from danger. No, your tally head first run towards that shit screaming Tally does not count okay none of our first instinct is to fire our severed limbs into space either all right you're on your own just i'm always on my own this is nothing new anyway but here's the thing about carl ross it is amazing that he called the police at all oh while it's never been outright said there is a ton of evidence and i 100 would like fucking be shocked if this was not the case it it is okay it is the case carl ross was gay and at the time in new york homosexuality is illegal and even more so the police is they're cracking the fuck down harder than ever because in one month the world's fair is coming to queens and they're getting all of the depravity off the streets and out of the way they are cracking down this is what confuses me about the world this is seriously what confuses me about the world you can't be gay but you can have 50 wives and 150 children actually that's illegal too oh well, no one's <laughs> cracking down on them maybe if all the people who you know were gay were together in one island they'd leave them alone too i don't know but I don't know. It was illegal. They're cracking down on it. It was, you know, it was a thing. And I, what were they charged with? I think it's like uh, public misconduct or something is what they were actually charged with. That was the charge for being gay. Oh, either way, you get a criminal record for it. So, um, and you're obviously on blast too after that, right? Because yeah. cops don't keep their fucking. This was fucking ten years printed in the newspaper that everyone read at that point. Yeah, exactly. And this was 10 years before Son of Sam. And we all remember what a fucking fiasco that was with the New York police. So they are, these are not our best and brightest. <laughs> they yeah. never were until What's-His-Nuts came and cleaned up the city. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is that you had maybe a 50-50 shot of the police actually showing up when you called for help. You could increase those odds dramatically by instead of saying, I'm being murdered, simply saying there's a couple queers doing queer shit. But then you're getting trouble because there's not any queers. Yeah. <laughs> and as I mentioned, it was a tedious process. Yeah, but that's more like a here's a you owe us 50 bucks rather than here's your name in the paper. No, on it's blast. really more of a like, I don't give a fuck if you've got a stab wound. I'm going to leave you here because you wasted my time. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe I'll fucking arrest you for good measure. Touche. So, uh, okay. So, there was all of these things standing in the way and none of them are an excuse in any, you know, I think if anyone, Carl probably had my highest understanding for being someone who didn't call the police, but he was the one that he did. So, I mean, people got to work in the morning. Someone else will do it. If that's your reasoning, you can go fuck yourself, honestly. So Kitty died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital at 4.15 a.m., one hour after she arrived home from work. Kitty's roommate was brought in to identify Kitty. And then because of her reaction, she was subjected to six hours of interrogation about the status of their relationship. 
Their neighbors were also all subjected to the same irrelevant stream of questioning. And Marianne was, in fact, the main suspect, despite all of the reports obviously saying it was a man and the fact that she had been raped. It obviously wasn't fucking a woman, let alone Marianne. Yeah, women don't have semen, people. None. Zero semen at all times. Well, not at all times. Sometimes. But that's not ours. Depends on how many jumping jacks we did. <laughs> I, I have a vasectomy, so I got zero, too. Congrats! You have zero sperm, I thought. Do you blow? Do you not have anything anymore? You still Is have you works? still have seminal fluid and stuff, but your your swimmers but no are sperm. gone. No yeah. sperm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Your swimmers you have, are gone. You have semen too. There's no men. There's no semen. <laughs> <laughs> I have a boat, but the boat is empty. The boat is empty. <laughs> it's still flying a ship, though. We're good. It sails on wind. <laughs> That would be weird if it changed to that. Like, instead of coming, you just like, <laughs> it whistles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's how you know you're done if she queefs. <laughs> oh, then, I don't know if that's going to make it into the episode, you guys. Oh, she's anyway. done. Okay. <laughs> At least it's a sign, you know? Some people are so quiet. And it's like, did something happen? Patrice O'Neill has a hilarious joke about queers. It's like, it makes you feel so big because there's like no air allowed left in there. No, it's it's that they shoved air in it first. I know. I'm just laughing at (laughs) Patrice being hilarious. I wanted to tell a funny porn parody story. I think it was parody. I was like 14 when I saw it. And I didn't mean to see it, but I saw it. And it's in my brain. And I'm 29. You weren't watching porn on purpose at 14? No, not if my mom's listening. I had to find, I had to <laughs> dig, I had to like dig pretty deep into like friends, brothers' computer files to find what I was looking oh. for. Well, to find what I didn't know I was looking for. Like, wouldn't your friends, your brother's friends, friends, brothers have women? Yes. That's what you were looking for was women? No, I was just like, what do they got? Because I'm a snooper. Titties i'm just a snooper and i was like i want to know what you got on your computer dude and then i found porn but here's what happened okay it was anal and she's like you have to stop i have to fart and he's like no i'm almost there and she's like but i have to fart like really bad and he's like no i'm almost there and then she farted (laughs) and he like pulled his dick out and it was puffed up like he like it farted like (laughs) the fucking frog in shrek Don't you think that doesn't actually happen, Richard? No, I don't. Man. I, I don't know, man. Maybe you could blow up my dick like a balloon and it pop. I don't, I don't know. think so. No, I, because I, like no, the no porno director or whatever is gonna keep shooting when she's going. I have to fart because that's not sexy. That has to be. You just cut the audio. It was We're amateur. Just... It was amateur point of view. <laughs> you just cut the audio and put it. It's ah, like the Blair ah, Witch it's Project. Easy. It's staged. Oh uh aren't you glad we waited for the fart porn start story for you i'm so glad thank you (laughs) honestly that's a good let's find out you know what if your guy's dick is small just like put it in your butt let one rip 
<laughs> and report back. You're like asking the audience to anally <laughs> fart on. I love it. I'm cool with that. I'm, like, let's do that. <laughs> Anybody who wants to, hey, take a picture, airdrop it to everyone. No big deal. <laughs> airdrop it. <laughs> Directory. I'll add a new yeah, category. Inflated. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Not true to scale. Amazing. Oh my god. Oh my I have god. reason to believe it was fake. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. It's a parody, guys. Real, but probably photoshopped. I'm just gonna. You've ease my mind stuff, here there's and... a ton of weird stuff out there oh, it's like God. saying like what was edward penis hands that's real it's real i wish i had a filter for that so six days after the murder a man named winston mosley was arrested for robbery in queen robbery was arrested for robbery in queens after a stolen TV set was found in the trunk of his car. So the police were called by a neighbor of the owner of the TV when Winston was seen carrying a TV set out of his house. And then another neighbor disabled Winston's car. And then like when he was back inside to steal more shit. So one of the detectives noticed on when they arrived on scene that the car matched the description of the vehicle that was at the Kitty Genovese crime scene. So during questioning, Winston admitted to killing Kitty as well as the rape and murder of two other women, Annie Mae Johnson, who had been shot and then her apartment was set on fire. And this apartment was actually very close to the scene of the robbery. And Barbara Kralik, who was a 15-year-old girl who had been killed in a home invasion the previous year. Winston was 29 at the time. He was married, he had three children, and had no previous criminal record. He claimed that he couldn't sleep because he had the itch to kill someone, but he preferred women because they were easier. So he got up around 2 a.m. and he got in his car to go and find someone to kill instead of drinking some heroin-laced 1960s cough syrup like a normal person. Oh, good for him. Why did he want to kill women? Because they were easier. Want to bet? Killing men. Right? Come at me, bro. Come at me. So uh, his statement about the murder corroborated the physical evidence at the scene. So they believed him. He also confessed to dozens of additional burglaries and rapes. And his statements indicated that the reason he killed women was because he was, in fact, a necrophile. Gross. So he was trying to kill her so he could fuck her. Yeah. Oh god. So like it. I said, you were right about everything. I, why was I so right? Why does my brain be right? God damn it, Richard. <laughs> oh, I just got into his head too much. I don't like it. Do I have to kill to get no, off? No, no, said no, that it no, might have been for money. No, he did mug no. her too. So that is the reason we're doing this podcast, is because it's so hard to get into their minds where like, you know, people like people like us, I guess, or whatever true crimey people what do you what do we call us what are we what are us defective defective sure morbid fuckers yeah it's like we're not here to get in the minds of the killers but we're, we're here to you know give our little insight of mm. how on earth yeah you know they could possibly come to that conclusion <laughs> that that's what you need in life you know it's just so odd love it Tally Hall 
true crime Love philosopher. <laughs> I I had something better, but it all escapes me now. See, that's the nice thing about having four hosts. We discuss yeah. it and we can think their thoughts for them. Exactly. Yeah. Um, here's something I was thinking about. So they showed up quicker to get a guy that was stealing a TV than like stabbing a chick a bunch and raping her. That's pretty mm-hmm. nice of the cops. Oh, well, um, Winston was black. You figure a black guy stabbing girls it would be quick to come get it was too, but dark. The TV... They might not have been able to tell in the dark, but they could oh, definitely no. tell when he's stealing a television set in broad daylight. And we cannot. Oh, that. that was the difference. Okay. So it was a daytime when he was stealing the TV. So they probably had to look like we're working instead of going to like sleep somewhere, you know? No, the difference was that you could tell he was black in the daylight. Ah. Uh... Please love to show up where black people are doing bad things so that they can whoop up. Or at least they did then. I mean, let's not get into it. So the case was complicated, however, because during the time that Winston confessed, another man, 19-year-old Alvin Mitchell, was already on trial for the murder of Barbara Kralik. That was the 15-year-old girl. And so it was now a question of who is lying because they both confessed. They believed maybe Winston was just an attention seeker because he confessed to so many crimes. But uh, it, it's also believable that he actually committed all of these crimes because he had some details that he shouldn't have had and he was stealing a TV. So it's not like he's just pretending he's a burglar. Obviously he is. He's not yeah. a good one though. I don't know how he could have gotten away with 40 <laughs> of them when he sucks at it, but that's, that's neither here nor there. It's, it's the same as when uh, guys talk about how many girls they banged. It's like a quarter. He probably did eight. 10. It's eight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it was up to the prosecution to prove that he did it and he wasn't just confessing because he's nuts. Okay. So Winston pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. But the jury found him guilty on June 11th and he was sentenced to death for the murder on June 15th. His sentence was later reduced to life on appeal because there was evidence that he shouldn't have been found legally sane. So, and it wasn't necessarily that he was insane. It was just that they didn't do a good job in the initial assessment. And isn't it that you're insane at the time of the act too? Like Mm. when, how you pinpoint that? Like you have to be insane at the time the murder event occurred to be even ruled in. You know, like say you have a psychotic break afterwards, you still can't plead that because you can't prove it at the time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So Winston was granted immunity from prosecution for the murder of Barbara Kralik so that he could testify in Alvin Mitchell's trial that it was he who had killed her. So uh, Alvin's trial ended in a hung jury, but the second trial jury found Alvin guilty. And Alvin served about 13 years before being released. And when asked why he confessed to a murder he didn't commit, he said that the police scared him to death and he would have confessed to anything. But who actually killed Barbara is still up for speculation. I would say based on the age differences between the victims, I think it's more likely that Alvin killed her. Because he was younger? Because, yes. Because I don't don't see how Winston would be able to get into the home 
of Twice. a 15 year old girl and oh yeah yeah his other victims were like women not girls you know what mm-hmm. i mean so mostly actually escaped from prison in 19 or uh, winston winston actually escaped from prison in 1968 after self-inflicting an injury that landed him in the hospital and he decked the co and took his weapon So he spent three days in an empty vacation home until the couple who owned it came to check it out. And before he left, he bound and gagged the couple, raped the wife, and then stole their car. He then broke into another home the next day and held a woman and her daughter hostage before he surrendered to the police. So both the victims in that hostage situation were unharmed. But he did get another 15 years to be served concurrently for that stunt and then in 1971 winston took part in the infamous attica prison riot so he lived quite a life uh he actually then went on to get his sociology degree i have no idea why i think i speculate it's so that he could try to learn to convince the parole board that he should be let out so he went on parole he went uh before the parole board for the first time in 1984 that is when he was officially eligible So he said to the parole board that being a victim out there, you suffer one time for one minute or one hour, but a victim who's caught suffers forever. So the implication there being that he is actually the victim. The bigger victim than the person you killed and raped, you fucking psycho. What a narcissist. Yeah. He also said in that same hearing to these same people, he said that he never wanted to kill Kitty. It was actually just a mugging gone wrong. And he believes that it was a mugging because sometimes people get killed in muggings. But he he left and came back. Yeah. He stabbed her twice before even trying to take her shit. Yeah. Yeah. He left and then came back and stabbed her another seven times. So sorry, mate. No. Yeah. Uh, unsurprisingly he was denied parole good so he actually went up for parole a total of 18 times and was denied every single time (laughs) he died in prison in 2016 at 81 he served a total of 52 years behind bars making him the longest serving inmate in new york state wow good too bad he couldn't stay a little longer sayonara hopefully he has to stay there hopefully you die and you haunt the prison that's what you do Mm -hmm. haunting seems way too fun for this guy you know like haunting just like scaring the shit out of people all the time let's go scare some people this is fun it's prison they don't need ghosts to be scared they're already scared you wander around a prison all you're gonna see is like some rape some guards opening mail rape lots of dongles a shower (laughs) and then somebody gets raped in the shower (laughs) Not Someone a whole lot to look at, so. really. Yeah, I don't know. I, I uh, good fuck this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So this case um, was massive in the public eye, largely in part to the New York Times publishing the most fallacious headline, claiming thirty-eight people witnessed her being murdered, over three attacks, and no one did anything. As I said, it was thirty-eight people who ended up having useful information, and most of them was just, I heard something. 
So it was not all really witnesses. Several of them actually claim now that they did call the police, but the police logbooks only logged the one from Carl Ross. And that was obviously very late in the attack. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's possible that they just weren't really logging the phone calls because this was like not automatic at the time, right? They just chose to only log one. Why they would pick one that's so late in the attack if all these people called first, I don't know. Maybe it was just that Carl Ross sounded gay and that's why they actually sent somebody in the first place. I have no idea. Maybe the maybe the person who was writing this stuff down quit and gave their two weeks notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be so awful? And just oh, didn't that were real. Oh, no, for oh, sure. Yeah. Sounds about just pick the name that's easiest to spell and off you go. Yeah, exactly. There were only two attacks. There were not three. There were people who did sort of get involved. Robert Moser yelled out the window. Sophia Farrar, a young woman herself, ran headfirst into danger to protect someone that she thought might be her friend. People did act, but like in the end, no one did enough, right? Would that guy yell again? I laughed at it because it was good. Get get off that let girl. Let that girl alone. Let get let that girl alone. Let that girl alone. And then he was like, oh shit. And then he ran away. That's a pretty good one. I'm gonna start. I'm like maybe the thing is is the attacker probably thought that that echo was close mm-hmm. like on the ground not in an apartment up, yeah up like up. someone could literally be running up to the scene right now yeah yeah aka mini tally yeah mini tally <laughs> a horde of fire ants yes <laughs> so the bystander effect has been seen in many emergency situations this one actually isn't the best example but it, it works, right? It is the one that's the most impactful. It was a young woman with a lot of promise. It's obviously population-dense New York, and so it seems like there were so many more witnesses than there actually were when you don't think about the fact that it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it gets the point across, and hey, if that, if that teaches people to always, always call for help, then cool. Works for me. I would much rather give a call and be told this has already been reported than not make a call at all. Absolutely. But I'm just, I just, my calling, talking on the phone ain't my strong suit. I don't do it, you know? So I would just be running full speed ahead and probably, you know, I'd take a nick. I don't give a shit. God, (laughs) just tackle his ass. And I mean, that's what you're supposed to do like with an active shooter and stuff it's called alice i don't know if you guys have ever heard of it but like if there's an active shooter in your workplace or anywhere you are like in a shopping center or whatever your biggest obstacle right now is to escape like that's your number one thing you should do but if you cannot Mm -hmm. do it everyone just throw something at the shooter all at once because you can act faster than the shooter can react and then while he's distracted by everyone throwing shit at him, multiple people are supposed to rush him and take him down and kick the gun away. And do not touch, do not grab the gun. Put it <laughs> under a bin because if you are holding the gun when the cops show up, you will be blasted full of lead. Yes. Immediately. I don't know, man. They hijacked the 9-11 planes with box cutters. People are just not good at acting they just aren't I know good at they're it. really not that's why I am and I plan it you know like James my husband and I we have plans you know for fire tornado things like that intruder we have all sorts of plans but I have a hammer will it go that way more than likely not more than likely not 
guys. Thanks so much for listening. Head on over to our Facebook and Instagram to join in on the conversations about all things unethical. Just search Unethical Podcast. You can also find us on Patreon where you can get access to all of our super awesome content, uncut videos of our discussions and early release of all the episodes. We are adding fun stuff all the time, so you should definitely come and check it out. Thanks again. We appreciate all of you. Shimmy, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. Baby, I got your money. Hey, dirty.